0: Okay, so welcome everybody. It's good to see you. Um, we are now on chapter twenty-seven. We did. We spent two weeks doing chapter twenty-six. Twenty-six is such an important chapter. It's it's so foundational. We said even to the point where if you don't, if you didn't even learn the previous chapters, one through twenty-five, you can learn chapter twenty-six and still it will make total sense. There'll be a ton of life lessons in there. So one of the best chapters chock full of, you know, practical therapeutic advice. And now we're moving on to chapter 27. Now just, I'm not, we're not going to review everything that we spoke about in chapter 26, but just so you can get your brain in the right space. We are now starting the section, chapter 26 started the new section of troubleshooting right? We're troubleshooting any um, emotional problem that could arise and send us off the path um, that we have been learning uh, on the path of becoming a Bainani. So we have this perfect plan, right? Chapters one through 25, we have a perfect plan. If we do it, it will work. But the thing is, is that we're not We don't live in a perfect universe and we're not perfect people. So we do get derailed. And so now chapters 26 to 34 will systematically address any emotional problem that could derail us from this path. So chapter 26 um, addressed two very, very big categories, worldly um, struggles, which include family. Um, money and health. And we're not gonna talk about how we deal with the problems because we did that already. So if you need a review, listen to chapter 26. Um, Number two is the spiritual problems, which IE we named guilt, right? Feeling bad about things we have done previously, okay? And we talked about how guilt is never gonna get us to the right place. Guilt is never an emotion we wanna use. It's the Yitzhahara trapping us into this guilt cycle. And we have now tools to first identify when that's happening and what to do and how to deal with it. Okay. That's chapter 26. We're moving on to chapter 27, which is going to bring up another um, issue that we might come across. This issue is shame. Okay. We talked about guilt. Now we're talking about shame. They're cousins, right? They go a lot of times together, but they're a little bit different, right? How how would you differentiate between guilt and shame? Guilt is over something you have done in the past. Okay. Shame usually is um, not a feeling about something you've done. It's a, a yucky, bad feeling about who you are, right? And in the Tanya, it's going to equate it to our desires, right? Who we talked about in Tanya a lot about if you want to really know someone, fig- not, don't figure out what they know, figure out what they want, right? That tells us who a person is, their desires, what they want, right? So um, shame is when you feel shame about your desires, who you are as a person, Right, not about something you've done in the past. It's about the things that you you wish you you want to do, but you know are not the right thing to do. Okay, so this is a very um big feeling, and I think Meredith just wrote that. Yes, Brene Brown, um, yes, says guilt is I did something bad, and shame is I am bad. Right, it's exactly what we're talking about. Now, just remember, shame is a very, very big subject, and it's a toxic emotion. Okay, um, we're not going to be talking about shame in the therapeutic sense, where we're really going to dig deep into this feeling of shame. What we're going to be doing right now is um, understanding the sp- the spiritual shame, which translates into regular shame as well, and how to uh, and how to address it. Okay. Um, and it does translate into our day-to-day lives like as we speak. Okay. So um, what are we talking about here? We're talking about a person who, remember, we are, the Tanya goes in order of our development, right? So the ta- Altrub is now assuming that we are on the level where we've already, it's not about Impulse control, right? Controlling our actions. We do that already, right? We know how to do that. We have tools for that. What's our tools for that? Impulse control, meditation, which takes a long time. But if we need a quick fix, we have our latent love, right? That we can access at any given moment, right? We have three tools to deal with um, our actions. This is talking about our, our innermost desires, right? What if we want to do something that's a negative, it's negative. It's against a connection to Hashem. Now, remember, it's not, we're not really thinking about it because thinking is an action. Okay. It's the knock on the door, right? It's this person who, who's pretty close to a bainani or is a bainani. but remember the bainani is still in struggle. Okay. He still has desires that are not godly. So what happens if this person keeps getting the knock at the door? His challenge is whether we open the door or not. Is he going to allow himself to even think about these negative things or is he going to keep the door shut and he's going to keep on moving past that, that knock, right? Ignoring that knock and distracting himself. So this is what we're talking about. The thing Behind all the actions, those inner desires that we sometimes have, that we know are not positive, we know is not going to give us a connection to Hashem. And then we're addressing that. What? And then because we have these feelings, we have shame. What kind of person am I that I even desire to do these things? Right. This is the specific shame that we're talking about. The shame of what kind of person am I? Right. Here I am. I, I have perfect actions, right? I do the right thing. But how could it be that I still have these desires that are totally against what God wants from me, right? So, yes, it takes an enormous amount of willpower, like Carrie just said, to not answer the door, right? We don't want to answer the door. And what we're going to learn is, is how we should not feel shame about this. We should feel empowered and, and like, we should almost be happy about this feeling. Now, the Tanya always does that, right? He always takes one emotion and he says, no, don't feel this way. Feel the total opposite. And we, and it's going to be a journey to get there. We're going to understand why this feeling should fill us with joy and not shame. Okay. So any questions so far? Okay. So, um, So we can understand why maybe this feeling shouldn't make us feel shame and sad and depressed, but it's a little bit of a leap to say, no, 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 this should make you happy, okay? So we want to understand how we get from not feeling sad about this shame to feeling happy, okay? One of the most um, prominent recurring themes of the Tanya is not only is it okay to struggle to give Hashem what he wants, right? It's not, it's, it's not only okay to struggle, to do the right thing. It's actually part of what Hashem wants, Remember, we talked about this. We talked about this in chapter 15, when we were talking about two types of bainani, right? There's a bainani who the person, we've all met the person who is the goody-goody in class, right? Who just, this kind of behavior comes naturally. They don't have to work so hard to be good, right? And then you have the bainani who has to struggle. And every, every step of the way is this huge battle, right? And we said, what did we say? The service is in the struggle. So if the, if the, if the Bainini is not struggling, he's not serving enough. He he's, he's doing good things, right? There's benefits and ramifications of doing the right thing but the service is in the struggle so what do we say we have to push this vanity there's always struggle you just have to push yourself to the struggle everybody has that point where it becomes it goes from comfortable to uncomfortable you just have to find that threshold right so this recurring theme of the tanya is that the service is in the struggle so we're not saying oh it's okay to struggle. Don't worry. It's like, it's not so bad. No, we're saying the struggle is where it's at. Our service is in the struggle. Okay. So that it's the effort that we put in is what God is getting the immense joy from, right? If it's easy, yeah, God is happy with you, right? If you're doing the right thing, God is happy with you. But God is really happy with you when you do the right thing and it's hard and we have to fight for it and we have to have the willpower, right? That's where it's at. So this theme is not a new theme for us, right? We know this thing. We talked about it in chapter 15, right? Service is in the struggle. There's no struggle, no struggle, no service, right? Um, and so When a person is feeling down, right, and has shame about what he's attracted to, he feels shame about what he desires, right? Because how could I desire something that is against God's will? What the Tanya, what the altar is telling us is that you should feel happy because there is a specific mitzvah that we actually say every day in Shema. There's a specific mitzvah that says, um, I want to get the words right. It says, um, don't stray after you, what your eyes see and your heart desires, right? Just because you see it and just because you want it doesn't mean you have to do it, right? That's a mitzvah. So when we have desires that are not in line with God's will, we have an opportunity to fulfill this mitzvah of not straying, okay? Now, in order to fulfill this mitzvah, you have to desire things that are forbidden, right? This mitzvah can, a cannot fulfill this mitzvah, right? He has his, he has his service and his service. We're going we're gonna to do a little bit of a comparison later on about the, the benefits of, of everyone's type of service. But no matter what, a does not have the opportunity to not stray because his inner desires are always in line with God. Okay. So now the time is going to, the altar was going to go even further. He likes to like, make sure you really understand this. Right. And he says, if you really care about giving Hashem what he wants, right. If that's our goal, right. We want to fulfill Hashem's desire for Hashem, for him, then we shouldn't care what mitzvah we're actually doing. Right? So you can say, well, this is an embarrassing mitzvah, right? Like, it's not the best mitzvah to have to do, right? I want, I desire something inappropriate, and I now get to fulfill this mitzvah by not letting that happen. There's better mitzvahs out there, right? More mitzvahs that we can be proud of. But it's not about us, right? It's not about our personal fulfillment and how we feel about ourselves and our ego right? This is about God. This is about doing what God wants. So who cares what mitzvah you're actually doing? Because it's a mitzvah and it's connecting you with, you with God. And that's what this is about. So, the, so the, we're taking away that shame piece of, of feeling, how could we feel this way? How could we desire these things? The shame, it's, it's, we're taking away the opportunity to have shame because number A, We have an opportunity to struggle. Um, B, who cares what mitzvah this is? You're doing a mitzvah. You're connecting with God. You're doing what God wants, right? And and how much we like the mitzvah, right, is all about our perception as opposed to what it means to Hashem. Exactly. There's mitzvahs that each one of us gravitate towards a different mitzvah, right? There are mitzvahs for us that are like, tzadik like we don't have to think about it like it's natural we align with them already for some people it's charity for some people for some people it's modesty for some people it's shabbos for some people it's kosher there are mitzvahs that are easy and then there are the mitzvahs that make us struggle right and either one of those mitzvahs are all connecting with hashem so we do have opportunities where we're giving um god where we're serving god in a tzadik way Right. We do have those opportunities, and we're going to get into that a little bit more in a few minutes. But it's not about which mitzvah we're doing. That's an ego thing. That's, an e- that's a self thing. That's an ego thing. Right. That, that we have to. And then when you take away the ego, what happens when you take away the ego? You take away the shame. Right. Because it's not about you. Right. It's not about you. Right. Um, I missed a message. Let's see. Yeah, because we have mastered something wonderful by having the willpower of redirecting our negative thought makes us feel happy and proud. Yes. Small distinction is that that is um, when we have a willpower of not um, fulfilling that, that desire and that action, 100%. That's amazing. What we're saying here is the person has shame for even being the kind of person that would want that, right? It's before the action itself even, right? It's not, it's willpower over action we talked about in the previous chapters. Now we're just talking about the shame that comes along with, how could I even desire such a thing? It's not even about doing it. We know he's not going to do it, right? Because he's abandoning. He's not doing this. But how could I even want to do it? That's where the shame comes in. How could I even want to do something that's against God, okay? So, um, So someone who overcomes this struggle, right? Of shame, right? Who overcomes this particular struggle of shame about who, what his desires are, is giving a gift to God. You're like literally handing a, a gift to God, right? The Banani, being a Benini is all about sacrifice, okay? Tzaddik doesn't feel like sacrifice to him right? Cause his, his desires align with God, but Abedani's desires don't always align with God. Every step of the way for Abedani is a sacrifice. Okay. And remember, that's what we're working towards. We're working towards a person who will struggle, who will have inappropriate desires, who will want to do things that don't align with God, but chooses not to, Okay. That's where we're at. We're not We're that's where our goal is. We're not saying we're ever going to get to the place where our desires are always going to align with God. Right. It could happen to us once in a while, but it's not a place where we're going to necessarily get to, right. That's not our goal. Okay. So, um, we let me just make sure I covered everything. Okay. So, um, so what are we telling this person, this person who feels shame about his inappropriate desires? We're we're going to tell him a few things. First of all, welcome to the club, right? This is not unusual. This is 99% of the people in the world fall into this category. If you're in the half a percent, that's a Tzadik, even less you don't fall into this category, but 99.9% of the world will fall into this category of at any given moment, we can have a desire that doesn't align with God. So welcome to the club. You're not special. You're not so special, right? Like simmer down. Like this is normal. This is a, this is not crazy. Secondly, this, we tell him, okay, so now that you know that this is not a super special Syndrome, you're having right. This is very normal, this is very appropriate for, for where you're at, right? Um, now we tell him this is part of your service, this is part of your service, it's part of the gift that you're giving Hashem, right? Okay, so th- actually, this feeling of shame is really coming from arrogance, me. How could I look at my actions? How could I have desires like this? I feel shame. It's a little bit arrogant, right? The Tanya always puts us in our place, right? You always make sure we're we're checking our ego. Because a lot of times we have these self-righteous feelings that if you really uncover all the layers, it's all about ego. It's not about God. If you're feeling shame about this and, and whatever, this is because you lost sight of God and you're making it about you. So okay. shame is, shame is actually egotistical feeling. And I don't want to make a blanket statement that shame is egotistical in, in, in a blanket sense of the word, of the, of the word, because that's, I'm not willing to step into that right now. But what I am saying is that in this particular situation, if you're having shame because you're having inappropriate thoughts, that is coming from a place of arrogance, Because you are focused on how you are feeling and how this shouldn't be happening to you. And you're forgetting that this is part of your service of God. Okay. I'm mixing guilt and shame at the same time. Yeah. Okay, exactly. So let's review. Guilt is about something you've done. Right. Okay. Shame. That's, we addressed that last week. Okay. Like, so. We can always re-listen to that. Guilt is something about something we've done. We know the Yetzirah is trapping us into that. We, know, we don't want to get a part of the guilt cycle. Shame is about feeling shame about who you are. It's not about something you've done. Okay. It's not about an action. It's about who you are. What are your desires? Okay? But feeling guilty is not the same as like egotistical. It's not arrogant at all. Feeling guilty um, for, I, we what didn't you, for what guilty you've done. Arrogant. No, we didn't equate guilt to arrogance. We equated guilt to being um, sucked into an unhealthy cycle. Okay. Shame The Tanya is equating to really, if you dig deep, the source of the shame is because you feel like you are better than having these feelings. How could I? have these feelings. It's uncomfortable for me to have these feelings, but what you're losing sight of is that 99% of the world is having these feelings. It's part of our service. This is part of the gift we're giving Hashem. This is part of our journey in connecting to Hashem. So if we stay Hashem focused, all of a sudden this opportunity and this experience is an opportunity of service instead instead of of a shame feeling. You're with me? Okay, good. Now, um, sometimes we want to like, it's, sometimes, it's easier. Sometimes we want to serve like a tzaddik, right? We want to have all our feelings aligned with God and we don't want to have to fight so hard for for every time we do something good, right? It's easier for it to not to be a struggle, right? You, we want, um, e- even if it's like, we want that, right? Um, but when you when you get stuck in that thought process of like, "Ugh, I just wish this was easier." I want to be a tzaddik. I want to just serve like a tzaddik. Ask yourself, "Wait a second, are you even a ba'inyan yet?" Right? Don't jump the gun. Like you have work to do. This is your service. Don't get distracted. Okay. Um, and that's part of our journey. Now, be humble. One second. Be humble, be realistic, and be okay with being part of a group that's the vast majority of the humans in this world, right? Like, that's okay. That's where we're at. Okay. Um, yes, you have a question? Do Benonese have more of a bigger connection to God? than tzaddik's so so yes and no right so um and we're gonna get to give me a second because we're gonna (laughs) get to the difference between a benani and a tzaddik's uh, service of you know and how hashem views it we're gonna get to that in a second so um so now we are it's all of right in tanya we're constantly reframing the messages we tell ourselves right So we're reframing and we're saying we're not, we're not viewing this as a negative, shameful, how dare I think like this. We're viewing this as an opportunity to do a mitzvah. This allows us to do this mitzvah of not straying, not following our eyes, not following our heart. This is, this is, this, this allows us to have this opportunity. Okay. And now disclaimer, OK, because like I, I'm not really all about the disclaimers, but we do sometimes have to remind ourselves that this is not glorifying our desires. Right. Tanya is not saying, oh, my gosh, go for it. Like desires are wonderful and beautiful. And the more you have, the better. Like this is not about glorifying the desires. Right. It's about cherishing the opportunity that the de- that having those desires can bring. The desire itself is never going to be glorified. It's never good. The having desires, inappropriate desires are never good, but we can reframe and understand that the opportunity that these desires allow us to have is something that we should embrace and feel proud of that. We are taking this experience and making it a godly opportunity. Okay. So, um, if I wouldn't have desires, I wouldn't have the opportunity to overcome them. And the reason why we we have to talk about this is because if the is not necessarily worried by telling us what a great opportunity our desires are, that it's gonna push us to have desires. We have enough of those on our own, right? We're all there, we have them. So the is saying, okay, we have them. Now, what are we going to do with them? Are we going to throw ourselves into the shame pit, right? Which really is the source is arrogance, right? It's all about you and how you feel. Or are we going to reframe this and reframe it as an opportunity to overcome a struggle, which is service, which is a huge gift to Hashem, okay? Um, the Tzaddik actually is jealous of this opportunity of the Banani. Um, and there's many stories of the Babusha Rebbe telling this to people. People coming to the Rebbe with their struggles and their desires, and there are many, many stories you can written down that you can read. That the Rebbe says to these people, "I am envious. I'm envious that you have this opportunity to connect to God in a way that I don't have because I don't have that desire." Right. And, and it's such a beautiful way to look at things. Like this isn't, doesn't make me a bad person. This doesn't make me ugh horrible, shameful. This makes me a person that has an opportunity to connect to Hashem in a way that Tzadikim don't. Right. Um, so the meta, so there's a metaphor in the Gemara, which is going to answer your question. Um, there's a metaphor in the Gemara that talks about, um, that Hashem desiring different delicacies. Okay. And it's plural delicacies as in plural. So we compare it to, sometimes we crave different things, right? Sometimes we crave this like sweet, rich chocolate mousse. Right. And sometimes we crave something that's like a little bit spicy, like, um, I don't know what's a good, like, um, jalapeno chips or like, you know, something that is like, oh, so good, but it has a kick. Right. And so we compare the tzaddik to this sweet, rich chocolate dessert, chocolate mousse and a bennini service to like jalapeno chips. Right. Because it's always with a kick, right? Like it's, and sometimes Hashem desires chocolate mousse and sometimes Hashem desires jalapeno chips and each person fulfills a different desire of Hashem but even more so we have both within us like we said before we have the mitzvahs for us that are like chocolate mousse easy smooth sweet not hard doesn't struggle doesn't burn us right and then we have the mitzvahs that are like jalapeno chips oh they're so good but oh boy do they burn right like oh is it hard to do it's like it's no pay, no gain kind of thing. Like if you want those jalapeno chips, they're going to burn, right? And that's the difference between atzalik and abedani. And that's the difference between within us, we have mitzvahs that are like, oh, we connect. You ever connect to a mitzvah? Like, and it's, not, it's, it's what you want to do, it's easy. And then we have the mitzvahs that like squeeze us to the limit. Like every part of it is painful and burns, but is so good at the end. Right, so um, so that's to understand like what what's 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 better, right? It's not about what's better; it's about what Hashem desires, right? And which desire is each opportunity filling in God's like palate. Right? But this whole subject is pretty much about eating kosher, isn't it? It's about eating. Well. Yes and no. It's always easy to use food as an example because we all love food, but it's a it could be about any desire. Actually, the desire that the, there's there's hundreds and thousands of desires a person can have. Right? The Alter mentions one. Okay, he talks about one desire that's an inappropriate desire. And what does he mention? An inappropriate sexual desire because this is where we're at as, as humans, like in this generation from the altar of it. Like, you know, if you think that you're like inventing, like the horror, like inventing the wheel, no. We've seen, we've seen it before, right? This is written in the 1700s, okay? And the altar of it takes one desire, and and he just says if you have an inappropriate desire, i.e., an inappropriate sexual desire. Now, it includes every single kind of inappropriate desire, but the altar picks that one because this is our biggest downfall as a person, right? And and so, yes, maybe we use. He doesn't mean sex. Form. He doesn't mean sex. He means. No. he means an inappropriate. Inappropriate, inappropriate desire. Sex. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So if you're married and you have a desire to, to, to be intimate with somebody else, that's okay. an inappropriate sexual okay. desire, that's right? Crazy. No, sex is not inappropriate if it's done in the right time, right place, right way. Right. Sorry. Like there are guidelines around that. Um, so, so this is, it's a little bit of a, of a side point, but, um, the, the value So so now we understand that there's a value in the struggle, right? We get it, right? We also understand our different services um, of God. We have a tzadik service, we have a binini service, we have both within us, right? But how much value is in the struggle, right? We know there's value in the struggle, but how much value? Like every time you struggle, do you get more value, or is it a one and done? Like you struggled with this before, you don't like. You, you know, it fulfills Hashem's desire, but then when, when you do it again, it's ugh, whatever, you know, how much value does a struggle actually have? And what the Tanya comes and tells us is that every moment you are engaged in the struggle has value. So if you're struggling for five hours, you have five hours worth of value. If you struggled for 30 seconds, you have 30 seconds in that struggle. Now, the point is, is to have the, you know, the proper end results, right? That's our goal. But if we don't have the proper end results, it's, there's also beauty in picking ourselves back up and trying again. Right. But what, what we're really, really understanding here is that every minute you're struggling has value. So it's not a one and done. It's not like, oh, I've struggled through this before. So if I'm struggling with it again, I, there's no value in the struggle. Every time you struggle with anything, there is value. However long you're struggling with it, there's value in that struggle. Okay. Okay. So Sarah says, when my patients are ashamed of having mental health struggles, I like to explain to them that along with the struggles come the superpowers, being extremely empathetic, picking up on little cues, reading people, which are beautiful things. Exactly. Every single time we have a struggle also gives us so much value right? Everything comes with a, pa- it's a package, right? You have the good parts, you have the bad parts and people who do struggle with mental health or do struggle in any area, it usually comes with a superpower. We just have to tap into it, right? And that's what Hashem is telling us, tap into that superpower that comes with your struggle. You have it. You know why I know you have it? Because I gave it to you, right? I gave you the, like, you know, there's that saying, maka, The The antidote to the illness came before the illness, right? Hashem always provides us the solution to our problems with our problems, but we just have to find it, right? And that can take a lifetime or that can take a few minutes or that can take a few years, right? Like there's not a timeline on that, but we do know that with our struggle comes the superpower right? That's a fact that we know. We just, we just have to be willing to get in there and get dirty, right? We sometimes we're just like, we don't want it. We don't want it. We don't want to deal with this. This is, we don't want any part of this. It's not going to get you anywhere. I just literally just right before class, I was reading a book to my kids and you know, the book, what to do with a idea, what to do with a problem. It's an amazing series of books. Um, and so he just came out with a new one called trying, right? And it's all about, if you don't try, you miss out on the beauty of the world, right? You have to feel safe to fail, to feel safe, to succeed. This is what this is all about. We've got to get dirty. We cannot just put it away and be like, I'm not doing this, right? It's, we're not going to, we're not going to get to the beauty that way. Right. Okay. So, um, so we we understand that the be- there's the beauty in the struggle. We should have no shame in having these desires because really it's an opportunity to um, do this special mitzvah. Right. Um, but Tanya always wants us to understand the mechanics of how things go. Right. Ch- Chabad Hasidus is not usually one for. I'm going to tell you this. Now take it at face value right? Like let's understand how this works, right? We spent seven or eight chapters understanding the unity of God to the best of our abilities, right? We didn't just say God is one and now be done, right? We understood the symptom and the, the, the mechanics of how the world works and how infinite can be infinite and how we understand it, but don't understand it, right? Like we, de- we dig deep. We delve into this stuff. We don't just say it and be like, okay, just accept it and move on, right? So what are the mechanics of of this, of this mitzvah and of the struggle? Like what is the, what is the mechanics of the, there's value in the struggle just because you say so, right? Let's understand what is actually happening in the world when we struggle and we overcome our struggle. What happens is that we, our microcosm of our own insides and heart and soul is, is relational to the macrocosm of the world. So when we are struggling within ourselves, right? We have an inappropriate desire. We have a thought. There's a knock on the door. We don't answer the door, right? We're not even letting the thought kind of ruminate in our brain. We're not answering the door. We're overcoming that struggle. What happens in our, just like something amazing happens in our own personal body and soul, it is also affecting the universe. So when you affect change in your body, you're affecting change in the universe, which, what is, which is what, what's happening is, is that you are, um, I just want to find the right word that I wrote down here. Basically you are, um, you are, okay, this is what I was like, you are subduing the negative forces in the universe. When you subdue the negative force in yourself, it has a macrocosmic effect in the universe. Negativity is getting less, which you don't know how that's actually affecting the world and who it actually affects right? Is that, is that why they say you give me bad energy? You give me good energy. Well, for sure. I I mean, listen, I'm super into energy. I'm super sensitive to energy. So like my husband can walk into a room, not say anything. And I'm like, what's wrong? You have a negative energy. And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I feel it. And don't even try to deny it. And then of course, like, till you know, 10, 20 minutes later a day, like he was like, yeah, I was really upset about blah, blah. I'm like, ha, you know, like, so of course that exactly. It's an amazing example because we're all energy, right? We're all big bundles of energy. So what we put out there affects the universe and the people around us, right? So if we are in midst of a struggle with ourselves and our struggle is subduing the negativity that's going on in ourselves, of of course, it's going to have a, a macrocosmic effect on the universe. Neg- negative energy is going to be subdued. There's going to be less negative energy in the world because there's less negative energy in you. Okay, so, so this is this is the this is the uh, the mechanics and the dynamics of how these things work. Right. This is why the struggle is so valuable. Because not only is it about you, it's about the whole universe. And not only is it about this physical universe, it's about all the spiritual universes that are, exist to create this universe. Everything is a ripple effect. Nothing happens in a vacuum, right? So every time you are struggling and you subdue your negativity, that's what's happening in the world. Of course, it happens the opposite way too, but because we're learning Tanya, we don't focus on that part. We focus on the positive, but it's good for you to know also when we don't overcome, when we let negativity win, that also also rises negativity in the universe, right? It happens both ways, but we're really always focused on the positive because why not, right? We can focus on what happens when we subdue our negativity and what happens in the world, that's what we need to focus on. Of course it happens the other way too, but we don't have to dwell on that because we're dwelling on this, on this part of it. Okay. So, um, that is, um, so you don't even know when you are struggling with your own, um, struggle you don't even know who that's going to affect and who that extra spurt of positive energy might push someone to make a positive choice right it's just we have no idea okay now i have like two more minutes left so i want to tell you what the chat the chapter ends with it ends with now we until now we were talking about negative thoughts that are not in line with God and don't, that are sins, right? Like inappropriate. We don't, you know, Tanya is now saying you can also do this within the permissible. You can also know that you're in charge of your body. You're in charge of the choices you make within the permissible. So for example, um, there's a, there's a, story in the Gemara that talks about the stages would eat breakfast an hour later than everybody else. If you think about it, what's the point? They're going to, whatever, whenever they eat breakfast, they're going to have 10 minutes of breakfast. And then right before they're studying right after they're finished, they resume studying. So what's the difference when they eat? Because the message was, is that just because I'm hungry right now and I want to eat right now, I don't have to do it right now. I can wait an hour because I'm in charge of my impulses. I'm in charge of my animal soul. Not not we're going to eat breakfast we're not saying starve don't eat right it's just not everything you desire in the moment even if it's permissible has to happen in the moment right now we don't have to have we don't have to give in to our pleasures and desires even if it's permissible all the time we can have the same self-control within the permissible as we do with the prohibited and it has the same effect in the world You're doing, when you control yourself within the permissible, it does the same thing as when you control yourself, control yourself with a prohibited. Okay. So, and we don't have to, we don't have to wait till we master all the prohibitions to, to to exercise this as well. Right. We can exercise having self-control within the permissible. You ever tell your kid just because you want it doesn't mean you have to have it. When do we ever tell ourselves that? Just because I want it right now doesn't mean I need it. Doesn't mean I have to have it. Just because I want to say something right now, even if it's permissible to say, it's not lashon hara, it's not negative. Just because I want to say it doesn't mean I have to, right? Just because I want to order something on Amazon doesn't mean I can't leave it in my cart for a day and then exactly, and then order it tomorrow. (laughs) Right? Exactly. Totally right. So it's just an exercise in showing our body and our soul who's boss. We're boss. Right? I don't have to be controlled by, by my desires, even if they're permissible. So, Carrie, you can eat breakfast whenever you want. It's just, are you, are you the second you good example, the second you wake up, are you going to your coffee pot? Or do you wake up, do you wash Nagavasar? Do you say Modaani? Do you take a minute to think about God and then go to your coffee pot? Right? It's about the pause. Right? Are you pausing? Are you being intentional? Are you knowing, are you showing who's boss? Okay, I so want to know what we're allowed by God. Of course, are we, okay. Are kosher we allowed food, to have right, coffee before? before? Are we allowed your to have breakfast coffee is before blessings? If your breakfast is kosher food, it's permissible. It's allowed. It's good. So you if, need to eat before breakfast. prayers. Before our prayers, well, it depends, right? Depends where you're at in your service of God, right? Some people need breakfast to be able to say their prayers. Some people need to pause on their breakfast so they make sure they say their prayers. It's an individual journey. I'm not going to say this is how it should be. The point of this is, are you being intentional? Are you pausing or are you just constantly just feeding the desires that keep on coming up without pause, right? Right. Now I do have to wrap it up, but in, so instead of a, a meditation, I'm just going to do a quick review of what we talked about. And these are the things you can meditate on this week. Okay. And what I think is going to happen just to foreshadow the schedule a little bit, I think next week's going to be our last week before the holiday season, because all the holidays are, are Tuesday, Wednesdays, they're all right. So we'll be about like a month break, and then we'll pick up again after the holiday. So next week we'll have and then just be prepared that it'll be a couple of weeks off, okay? So don't feel bad that you have sinful desires. Number one, right? This is our review. Celebrate the fact that you can give Hashem this gift, right? Of not straying after your heart and your eyes, right? The struggle has value every minute you're in it, right? Your impact is global. OK, and um, we can do this in the area of permissible and have the same impact as if it was prohibited. OK, and that is like in 30 seconds what what we did in this class. OK, I want to give you like, OK, they're not being, knocking down my door yet. So I want to give you one minute for questions if you have. I just have a comment that when yes. you said the, like your impact is global, that totally changes. You know, think we think like, let's go out and change the world. It totally changes it, right? Like what you're doing privately on a day-to-day basis actually does change the world. Exactly. Even it. Yes. It's like, we don't have to be like making huge waves and being out there and making protests or whatever to change the world. Everything we do in our own personal life has global impact. And I love that you- Um, brought that to the front and made it a very important thing to go home with because we forget that we think we're all in our own struggle and it's all about our own struggle and we're stuck and every time everything you're doing personally has a global impact super powerful could be big responsibility but an amazing empowerment as well at the same time when is Mashiach coming is what I want to know you and me both man (laughs)
1: Gosh, and
0: everybody it's like, it's like, what? What already? Like, how many more fires and hurricanes and COVID and whatever? How many more should we have till mashiach should come? God, we got the message. Now it's 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 on God. You know. Can you please on put that. it up? Can you please put up this class right away as soon as you can? So I as can. As soon as I can, it happens as soon yes. as I can. My husband's tech thank support, you. so I will make the request. <laughs> <laughs> thank okay. you so much, Javi. Oh, thank, thank Stop you the recording. So much.